the reading today is from Luke 5, verses 27 to 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thank you, Alex, for reading that. Uh, ben, thank you so much for not only the invitation, but the uh, introduction. Uh, it was very kind words. In the words of John Williams, I am also stoked to be with you this morning. And um, Vintage Pasadena, uh, you are seven months old. Uh, and I've just heard so many good things about you through Ben and through other people. I know a handful of you. Um, but it's such a shame that I can't see you personally. Uh, I'd love to eyeball you all, so you'll just have to make do with you looking at me at the minute and me looking down the barrel of a camera. Uh, my name's Matt, and uh, I've been a pastor here in uh, Pasadena for eight years. And um, I've been married to Vicky for 24 years. Next month, we celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. Uh, yes, you can clap, it's all right. And uh, I have uh, two young adult sons who've just turned 21 and tw uh, 19. And um, yeah, we've, we've been blessed in this season. Um, it's exciting for me to preach not just to you, but on this passage today. Um, it's been uh, really significant for me, actually, just to review this. It's really ministered to me. And I pray that this morning, as I share with you uh, what I've been learning about this, about Jesus, about the kingdom of God, that you will be blessed by this as well. Um, Ben's already said how we met. Uh, it turns out we have one other strange link, which is uh, the church in the UK that we uh, moved here from uh, just 10 years ago. We'd been there for almost 20 years, and it turns out that Matt, Matt Bird's parents got married in the church that we attended in the UK for about 20 years. And then uh, I believe you have um, another uh, staff member over in Santa Monica, um, uh, Johnny Bell. His parents also went to that church. I knew them when his dad was a, um, a registrar doing his uh, clinical work in Newcastle. So, so many strange little connections. It's great to be here. Um, Alex read the passage this morning from Matthew 5. And uh, I just want to share four things with you this morning that we learn about Jesus and we learn about the kingdom in response. And I've alliterated them because that helps you remember and it helps me remember as well. And that is that Jesus sees, Jesus says, Jesus sups, and I don't mean he goes on a stand-up paddleboard. I've, I've uh, borrowed from the King James English there, Jesus sups and Jesus summons. Jesus sees Levi the tax collector. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus sups, he dines with the tax collectors. And Jesus summons sinners to repentance. It says, after this, Jesus went out 
and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. I want to ask you a question this morning. How well do you see? How well do you see? I have been very nearsighted from a young age. In fact, for most of my life, the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning is I reach over to my bedside table, I put my glasses on, and the last thing I do at night when I turn the light out is I take my glasses off. I see the world through my corrective lenses in the natural. And one of the things I've learned as a Christian and in pastoral ministry is for most of us, we need some help in the spiritual to see clearly in the way that Jesus sees. Most of us need some spiritual corrective lenses. I often observe it in the way that we as Christians see other people. Or perhaps I should be a little bit more direct, the way that we don't see other people. Jesus often saw people that other people ignored or looked past. In the passage today, Jesus has just left a crowd of amazed people because they've seen a paralyzed man get healed. Ben preached on that last week for you. And now he's on his way somewhere, probably to Capernaum, which is his ministry base. And he sees a man called Levi. Now in two of the gospels, he's called Levi, but in Matthew's gospel, we're actually told that his name is Matthew, which is why this passage is so important to me. He is the Matthew who writes Matthew's gospel. And here we have Jesus seeing Levi, probably sitting in some kind of makeshift booth, collecting taxes, maybe at the edge of the town, maybe near the lake edge, uh, where the trading boats or the fishing boats would be coming in and out of the port at Capernaum. And there's something you need to understand about tax collectors in Jesus' day. Just like today, there were numerous different taxes that were levied, whether it was a local tax or a property tax. The, the, um, in Jerusalem, they even had a temple tax that was uh, charged. But of course, there were tax, taxes levied by the government of the day, which is the Roman Empire. And they did this based on the census that they took. Did you know that Pasadena is doing the 2020 census right now? I hope you've completed it. But instead of the Romans collecting this tax themselves, they would have other people, local people, do it for them. And they would not pay them to do this. In fact, what they did is they got the locals to bid for doing the work. They basically kind of like franchised it out and the highest bidder had the opportunity to collect the taxes. So you can imagine that if you see a tax collector, you don't really want to see a tax collector, let alone connect with them and go towards them or talk with them, because the tax collector, in order to earn money, would take the tax that he's going to give to the empire, and then he's going to take off a little bit more for themselves. Tax collectors would be great at persuading people by whatever means to pay their tax and maybe just a little bit more on top. Tax collectors, tax collectors are great extortioners in Jesus' day. And yet Jesus sees Levi, the tax collector, and goes over to him. You see, if we're going to engage faithfully in the ministry of Jesus, 
it begins with seeing people the way that Jesus sees people. Think about some of the people that Jesus saw. The sinner, the tax collector, the beaten up traveler on the side of the road, the prostitute, the soldier, the leper, the unclean woman, the paralytic, the dead girl. These are the kind of people that Jesus sees and he sees them with eyes of mercy. Do you see them? Do you see them with Jesus' eyes of mercy? Do you see their potential in Christ? I think when Jesus looked at Levi, yes, he knew he was a tax collector, but he saw the potential for him to be a loyal follower and disciple. Instead of confronting Levi, he extended a merciful invitation to him. Uh, so one of the things that's been fun about turning up this morning is I've joined the Matt Club. There seem to be more mats here in the studio this morning than anybody else. So uh, if one of the mats could put up the, photo, uh, the image, the painting. This is a, a, a painting by an artist called Caravaggio. Um, it was painted around about 1600. That's about as much as I know about this painting. I am not an art buff. Wikipedia is awesome. Uh, but this is one of Pope Francis's favorite paintings. And Pope Francis says this, he says, the finger of Jesus, Jesus is on the right side of this image, hidden by Peter somewhat, but you can see his hand pointing out. And Pope Francis says, that finger of Jesus pointing at Matthew, that, that's me, I feel like him, I feel like Matthew. It's the gesture of Matthew that strikes me. He holds on to his money, and I don't know if you can see it on your screen, but with, with his left hand on the table, with his red sleeve, he, he's, he's holding on to the coins that are his, that he's collected. And with his, with his right hand, sorry, with his left hand, he's, he's pointing to himself saying, me? You're, you're pointing at me? And Pope Francis says, here is me, a sinner, to whom the Lord has turned his gaze. I love this picture as I was uh, learning about it. There's so many little subtleties, but I love just simply um, the use of the light striking Matthew's face there. After Jesus sees Levi, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. In the past few weeks, I've been deeply impacted by this short verse. This is the very heart of what it means to be a Christian disciple, to lay down what I am doing in order to follow, to follow Jesus into what he is doing. Jesus is going somewhere. He's been sent on a mission by his heavenly father. Discipleship is the journey of joining in with the father's mission in the world. This past week, um, I've actually laid down an eight-year season of pastoral ministry because I sense once again Jesus' call to follow me into a new season, an unknown season, an undefined season as yet. And so I can very much relate to Levi, Matthew, my own name, as Jesus is saying, follow me, and it requires us to leave things behind in order to pursue him. Answering this call is an exercise of faith, but if it wasn't for the history of goodness, somebody should write a song about that, Daniel Vincent, if you're watching, or you may already have done. 
if it wasn't for the history of goodness that God has already written into the lives of our family, then that step might feel like blind faith. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like walking towards an ocean of his mercy and kindness. In Jesus' day, Jewish rabbis would often call young men, perhaps with the finest minds and the most excellent demonstration of their knowledge of scripture, to be their followers, their disciples. And they would disciple these apprentices um, so that they could do what the teacher did and be and think and speak like the teacher speaks. Think Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker, or think Mr. Miyagi and Danny in Karate Kid, pick your era. But when a teacher or spiritual leader asks a young man to follow him, it would be considered a great honor to be called by a rabbi to become his disciple. Levi would have understood what Jesus was asking him when he said, follow me. He's saying, come, be my disciple. I think you've got what it takes to become like me. What makes this so groundbreaking for Levi is that Jesus is asking him in spite of Levi being a social outcast, an untouchable, a traitor who works for the Romans and the occupying force. And yet knowing that Levi didn't live up to the expectations of a suitable discipleship candidate, Jesus called him anyway. There was little about Levi that would qualify him to be a suitable disciple of a Jewish rabbi. But then there is little about Jesus that makes him a typical Jewish rabbi. When Jesus says, follow me, it's an invitation of mercy. It is grace being enacted. And this is the demonstration that Jesus looks at us and says, I think you can be like me. That's how discipleship works. It's actually in the following. It's as we put into practice Jesus' words, ways, and works that we are transformed and molded more into his likeness. This morning, perhaps some of you, like I have been sensing, are sensing the invitation to follow Jesus into a new season, a new assignment, a new mission. He's asking you not because you're ready, He's asking you because he is ready to transform you as you say yes to him. I'm here to tell you it's time to say yes to Jesus' invitation. Levi had to leave something behind. In fact, Luke says he left everything and followed Jesus. The decision to follow Jesus is costly. It requires us to let go of our grip on things that have defined us, things that would take the place of God's lordship in our life. But this is the call to discipleship. It's a daily laying down of things that take a hold of us so that we can pursue Jesus and take a hold of him. And after Jesus said, follow me, Jesus sups. What's up? Jesus sups. He dines with sinners. It says Levi held a great banquet at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating 
with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Levi says yes to Jesus. And the next thing you know is he throws a banquet in Jesus' honor. In those days, it would be a great honor to be the welcomed guest at a banquet. Levi is so enamored with Jesus that he wants to introduce all his friends to him as well. Or the thought occurred to me this week, maybe Jesus just invited himself to Levi's home. He did it with Zacchaeus, remember? He said, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to eat with you. Maybe it was Jesus who wanted to meet Levi's friends. Who are Levi's friends? Well, tax collectors and sinners, more outcasts. Outcasts find solidarity with other outcasts by being outcasts together. Levi was a gatekeeper to a whole community of outcasts who got to hang out with Jesus at the banquet. Luke doesn't bother telling us whether any of Levi's friends became followers of Jesus because I don't think that's what matters to Luke. I think what matters to Luke is that he's telling people Jesus is not afraid to associate with sinners. In fact, Jesus made it his mission to hang out with sinners and was not afraid to bring the joy of the kingdom to their banquets because Jesus knows how to bring true joy. The good news of God's kingdom leads us to a place of celebration, which is the perfect setting to bring this good news to our friends and family. Remember, the gospel is literally good news. The word gospel means good news. Right now, the world desperately needs to know that there is some good news. As Pope Francis said, each one of us are Levi in need of God's mercy a recipient of his invitation, come be my disciple. If we fall into the subtle trap of thinking that we're the ones that are worth saving, but other sinners are not, we've forgotten the mercy that Jesus extended to us and we've become like the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought surely someone who makes the claims that Jesus makes would spend time with righteous people like us. So they complained to the disciples And Jesus answered them. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus sees, Jesus says, Jesus sups, and Jesus summons sinners to repentance. I love how Jesus can be so enigmatic. He says to the Pharisees, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. If I was a Pharisee, I might hear Jesus telling me that because I'm healthy, I don't need a doctor. But of course, as a Pharisee, that's precisely what I want to hear. Healthy and sick would be a common metaphor in that day for the state of our spiritual health. The Pharisees thought they were the healthy ones, the righteous ones, the spiritually clean the acceptable ones. Of course they don't need a doctor. Why would they? Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous, righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is enigmatic to the Pharisees and yet to the tax collectors. He's speaking very plainly. 
if you think you're righteous before God and not in need of God's mercy, then it goes without saying that you won't see your need for repentance. But to those who know that they're sick, to those who are aware of their spiritual state, of their need for God's mercy, the good news is that Jesus, the healer, has come to you. Three times the scripture tells us, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The proud are those who, thinking that they are righteous in themselves, have no need of a doctor. They are the ones that God opposes. The humble, however, are those who are able to acknowledge their need of mercy. They are the ones to whom God extends his grace. Are you in need of God's mercy today? Jesus calls sinners to repentance. Repentance quite literally means to change our mind. We must think differently about sin, about God, about our worldview. Once we are determined that we're right, our mind is fixed and repentance isn't possible. I'm not suggesting that truth can't be known, quite the opposite. But if we think that we ever arrive at the point where we know all the truth, why would our thinking need renewing? What place is there for repentance? I believe that the life of a disciple is marked by a lifestyle of repentance, by renewing our minds, as Paul writes, of setting aside our stinking thinking, as I like to call it, that misses God's heart, of turning away from actions that do not bear witness to the goodness and mercy of God and walking in the light. I believe repentance is the lifestyle of discipleship. Don't confuse this with uncertainty about our salvation. Repentance is not, woe is me, I'm a miserable worm. The ongoing work of repentance is the recognition that we have not yet fully embraced the mind of Christ and that our actions fall short of his glory. God's kindness, Paul writes, leads us to repentance. Jesus' kindness leads Levi to repentance. How might you demonstrate Jesus' kindness to those who do not yet know him? Perhaps today you need to know Jesus' kindness leading you towards repentance. In the book of Revelation, the call to the lukewarm church of Laodicea is this. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. The King James Version says, I will sup with them. Jesus extends mercy to sinners. But be clear about this. He calls sinners to repentance. If our discipleship does not include repentance from sins, we have not truly left everything to follow Jesus that Jesus would call a tax collector to be his disciple is shocking. As shocking as calling fishermen, as shocking as healing a paralytic man and telling him his sins have been forgiven. 
But the kingdom of God is different from the kingdoms of this world. Jesus' ways of thinking are different from our human wisdom. Kingdom thinking requires us to change our thinking. It's as much of a mismatch as putting new wine in old wineskins, which is what Jesus says straight afterwards in this passage. So Jesus sees Levi the tax collector. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus sups with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus summons sinners to repentance. This morning, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this passage of scripture? Do you need to know that God sees you this morning? Perhaps you feel overlooked, maybe even by the church. Can I just say it? Maybe even by people in this church. God sees you this morning. You do not go unnoticed by him. Perhaps you need to ask God to give you his eyes of mercy to love and to see those around you who've previously been, you've previously overlooked, maybe because of fear, maybe because of prejudice that's in our hearts. All of us, this is a season for us to re-examine our hearts for that. Maybe you need to hear the call of Jesus saying, follow me afresh this morning. What do you need to leave behind? Maybe you need to invite Jesus to be the guest of honor in your home today. Perhaps you need to know that he wants to draw close to you, to dine with you, to recline at the table with you in fellowship. Perhaps God has put others on your heart that you need to invite to the fellowship of Jesus' table. And finally this morning, Maybe you need to hear that Jesus is summoning sinners to repentance. He's asking you to walk in the light, to confess your need for a healer and a savior, that he might bring the mercy and healing that you desperately long for. If this is you, if you would like somebody to pray with you, about these things, then the online prayer room is opening right now. And if you would like somebody to pray with, just look at the instructions on the bottom of the screen. And uh, I know several of the people in your congregation who are doing the prayer rooms, they are wonderful people. And they would be delighted to take some time to pray with you. But as we transition back into a time of worship, I just want to invite you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? How will you respond? How will you answer the call of Jesus to follow you? And how will you enact Jesus' own ministry, his mission with the Father in calling others, in seeing others that Jesus would call to himself this morning?